Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, how the new industrial revolution will affect jobs and education in Tucson and Pima County. University of Arizona economist George Hammond predicts about 40% of jobs in Pima County will be put at risk of automation during the next decade. He says we're in the midst of a big shift he calls the new industrial revolution. The new industrial revolution revolves around um, new these new uh, processes, so artificial intelligence, um, genetic engineering, big data, really powerful computers. All those are combining to allow us to to generate economic output to do things that that people value in new ways. And in general, these these new methods are allowing us to do more with fewer people. When it comes to automation, which is so much part of this new industrial revolution, is this wave a, a sea change or just an evolution of the workforce, do you think? Well, I think it's it's an evolution, but it's big enough that we are going to want to think ahead and think about the impacts that it will have on all aspects of our lives. And since I'm an economist, I think about the impacts on the economy and in particular on the labor market. So what economists these days are trying to figure out is is what the, the this new wave of automation and artificial intelligence will mean for uh, labor demand and, and what that might mean for the number of jobs that we have in the future and the wages that those jobs will pay. That's the elephant in the room. The number of jobs in the future as automation comes on, are we losing jobs or are we just changing jobs, do you think? Well, what this new uh, industrial revolution will mean is big disruptions in the labor market. So uh, that means that um, the the jobs that we'll have 20, 30 years down the road, economy-wide, are going to be a lot different from the jobs that we had 20 years ago or that we even had today. So think back, you know, 20 or 30 years, you know, there was no such thing as a, as a webmaster or there were very few of them, if any. And now we have a lot of webmasters, right? So the same kind of thing is going to happen going forward. It's going to create disruptions. and. What economists and, and a lot of other people are trying to figure out is what direction those disruptions are going to go, and, and in particular, what skills that students and workers are going to need going forward to, to make sure that they can you know, be employed meaningful in this, in this new economy. As you look forward to this new economy, is it the economy as a whole that will undergo this new industrial revolution, or are there certain sectors that are really going to be hit and others that won't be? Yeah, the impacts will really differ across occupations and across industries. In terms of occupations that will see big restructuring, it'll be in things like uh, food preparation, uh, sales and related occupations, general um, manufacturing type jobs, so production type jobs, building maintenance and repair type jobs, those are all gonna those are gonna face big disruptions. And the jobs themselves won't necessarily go away, but the workers who hold those kind of jobs will be increasingly working with machines to do that job. And uh, it may put downward pressure on wages. 
wage, uh, the wage levels that are going to feel the most pressure from automation are low-wage, low-education-type jobs. So how does the economy adjust to these changes? Right. Well, the, what, um, what will happen is that we'll see some, in, some occupations, some industries that will face more disruption than others. So the, you know, the occupations we've talked about that will face big disruptions, the industries are going to be leisure and hospitality where restaurants, bars, hotels, motels, trade, transportation, and utilities. So sales occupations, also the transportation sector, right? Self-driving cars, something we're talking a lot about. Natural resources and mining is another industry that will face big disruptions, right? Natural resources and mining over the, the past 40, 50, maybe 100 years has been gradually mechanizing more and more. That's still continuing to happen. But there are industries that, that face less risk from automation, and those are things like healthcare, government, uh, information, where a lot of the high-tech jobs are. So those are where the jobs are that are actually creating the artificial intelligences. And what we tend to see is that the occupations that require more creativity and social intelligence are those that are going to be more insulated from uh, the impacts of automation. So where you're, you're doing complex negotiations like uh, uh, people in government tend to do, that will be pretty insulated, or legislators tend to do that. Um, and places where you're, people are, are really being creative, inventing new things, new ways of looking at the world, that will be, that will be less subject to, to automation going forward. Are the industries and sectors that are going to feel the biggest changes, are they getting ready for those changes now? Yeah, the, you know, the, in, in a competitive economy like we have in the U.S., everybody is dealing with these market forces driving us to find better and faster ways to do things, lower cost ways to do things. So that's absolutely driving this trend as it has for, for decades, finding new ways to do things that are better and more efficient, less costly. So firms are absolutely doing that. And this is part of this whole process of productivity growth. And it's something that we need, even if it's labor-saving productivity growth, because you always want to keep in mind is that in the coming decades, we're going to see this continued large waves of retirements by the baby boom generation, right? So there's going to be fewer and fewer uh, workers. We're going to face labor shortages. And part of the response to that will be this automation and artificial intelligence. And we need that to keep our standard of living growing. So it's, it's part of the natural process that we see in a competitive economy. Firms are looking for new and better ways to do things. And automation and artificial intelligences will offer some new and better ways to do things. We've been talking a lot about industries in the economy as a whole, but let's talk about Pima County in southern Arizona. What industries here will really see the change, and is Pima County in southern Arizona ready for this? Well, we, we certainly have work to do. Um, uh, some estimates that I put together uh, suggest that there are about 150,000 jobs, or roughly 40% of uh, current employment in Pima County is at relatively high risk of facing this disruption from automation. So aren't necessarily job losses, but they are occupations, jobs that will face disruption, where they'll, they'll be working increasingly with artificial intelligences or the jobs themselves might go away. So that's a large number of jobs. It's actually a little bit smaller share than we see statewide. One of the interesting things, though, is that Pima County and the Tucson Metro is actually at somewhat lower risk than we see nationally. Nationally, it's about 45.7% of the jobs. Tucson's a little bit over 40%. One of the reasons is because of Tucson's industrial mix. 
the sectors that are at that are at high risk are you know leisure and hospitality, trade, transportation, utilities, natural resources, and mining. But what's interesting is that um, manufacturing employment in Tucson actually faces lower uh, automation risk than does manufacturing nationally. And that's because of the mix of manufacturing jobs here. You know, manufacturing in Pima County is is really dominated by aerospace and defense, and in particular Raytheon, and a lot of those jobs are research, kind of R&D type jobs uh, held by engineers, and they're doing a lot of creative work that's, that's less likely to be automated going forward. You recently put out a report on the economy of the state and Arizona as a whole. It's growing, everything is going well, but knowing that there are these million or so jobs looming out there that are going to be affected by the change in the economy, what's Arizona's outlook based on the information you just put out? Yeah, overall, uh, as in past industrial revolutions, I think uh, that will generate more than enough new jobs, new kinds of jobs, and new occupations, uh, and maybe new industries to offset the, the employment disruptions that we'll see from automation and artificial intelligence. So, you know, I don't think it's the, the jobs are, are going to be a big problem going forward. I think the skill mix will change. We'll, we will need workers that are very adept at working with machines, working with artificial intelligences. So I think the skill requirements for jobs are going to go up. Uh, even in manufacturing, more and more emphasis on higher levels of educational attainment, either associate's degree or better or a bachelor's degree or better uh, in a lot of cases because workers are going to be working with uh, computers and highly automated uh, fabrication uh, machines that, that require a lot of skill to, to use effectively. All right. Well, thanks for giving us a peek at the future. Sure. My pleasure. That was UAE economist George Hammond. So how do we prepare the current and next generation of workers to take on those jobs? One institution taking the lead on this is Pima Community College. David Doré is the Vice Chancellor for Workforce and Economic Development. He talked with us about what the future workforce will look like. From my perspective, the future of work is learning. Uh, you know, the digitalization of our global economy has changed the game for many organizations. Uh, disruption cycles are coming much quicker, and companies, therefore, have to launch at scale at a much, much quicker pace. And, and so to compete in this new reality, companies really have to master scalable learning. And, and I think that's where Pima and, and, and other schools come in. So how do you and others in charge of Pima Community College determine what's a program you need to launch so you're ahead of the wave enough for the, the ever-changing workforce, but you don't launch something that doesn't end up panning out. You know, for us, it really is about alignment. And so we have launched a number of centers of excellence at Pima that are really aligned to the key growth sectors of uh, our region, particularly southern Arizona and, and the state at large. And, and I'll, I'll give some examples. But the, the real core themes of the centers of excellence are that we're, we're really building them in collaboration and in partnership 
partnership with industry. And I think that's that's a key to the future is that organizations, higher educational institutions, K-12, they can no longer be siloed. They really have to be uh, collaborating. So we're collaborating very closely with uh, JTED and with the K-12s. We're collaborating with the University of Arizona. But our, our centers of excellence really are designed around speed so that we can actually uh, adapt our programs much quicker. Uh, they're they're uh, designed around convergence, right? So disciplines are actually converging on one another as well. And I'll give an example, uh, Mechatronics, which is one of our fastest growing programs. Mechatronics is, is really a convergence of engineering. It's a convergence of computer science. It's a convergence of electronics. And so students really now have to learn across disciplines in order to be successful in, in, the, in organizations. And then thirdly, um, you know, we're designing on, on a physical scale, the facilities, we're designing them to be very adaptable because we, we need to be able to change spaces in order to respond to the changing needs of, of our workforce. Do you all as PCC go to business or do they come to you or is it a two-way street as you figure out what the student today, the worker of tomorrow needs? Exactly. It's both and, right? So uh, we are constantly uh, reaching out to industry and, and fortunately industry is reaching out to us. So all of our programs have industry advisory boards and we take that you know the, the input from industry advisory boards very very seriously there's a company in Tucson called Too Simple and the big trucking the, company the big trucking company yes and it's the autonomous trucking company so Too Simple actually on this one they came to us and they said we want to partner with Pima Community College to develop a certificate really around what does the autonomous truck driving operator look like of the future. And so we, we spent uh, a, a considerable amount of time building a curriculum, and we launched the first ever autonomous driving certificate uh, in the nation. And that's for experienced truck drivers that are now shifting into this new space. You know, and, and, and that's coming uh, more and more. What we're seeing is, is that the incumbent workforce really needs to be reskilled, and I think that's a classic example. The truck driver, as we know that position, uh, you know, 10 years from now is going to look very differently. So we really have to adapt our, our programs, um, you know, to, to, to really respond to that. Technology is changing so quickly. How much of a challenge is it to design a program when everything is changing, sometimes it feels like on a daily basis. You've just really, I think, spot on. And I think that's why we're trying to bring industry professionals, working professionals, into uh, the classroom and into Pima. And I'll, I'll give another example. At our East Campus, uh, you know, we've developed a cybersecurity two-year degree program. We have partnered with the Arizona Cyber Warfare Range, which is really a live fire range where you have professionals, IT professionals, that are coming to, to number one, go into the dark web and really understand the world of hackers and to better protect their own organizations. And so we're we're bringing these, these current professionals who are really kind of defining the market. We're bringing them to Pima so that our students are getting the latest. What's the demand out there? Are, are there waiting lists for these programs? You know, are you having to add more sections, uh, that type of thing? To answer your question, yes. And so uh, we are scaling 
for these these programs that particularly we have a a, a disconnect right we have a skills gap in Arizona uh, aviation technology is a, is a good example uh, we have a massive shortage of aviation technicians in the state of Arizona we have a robust uh, aerospace uh, and defense sector aviation technology sector and so uh, we are actually in the process of doubling the capacity of our aviation technology center uh, down by the airport and and we were actually given 15 million dollars by the state of Arizona in order to expand that facility because both industry went to the governor and they went to the legislature uh, really to ask uh, for these funds for Pima uh, because we believe that this really is an answer to uh, workforce development in the future is training the future workforce, as we've been talking about it, more about a hands-on, futuristic, votech type of training? Or is there a bigger picture issue in education? It's, again, I'd say it's both and. Students uh, today need hands-on experience. And, and I think that's key to the future. And I'll give another example uh, that we're doing at Pima, Caterpillar. Uh, the surface mining division. They actually came to Pima. These are these are degreed engineers who are working engineers, and, and they wanted us to provide hands-on training for these engineers, so that the engineers could better understand the technicians that are actually working on the equipment that they're designing. Likewise, though, students really need new competencies. Right? They really need. Uh, you know, creativity and thinking skills for this new economy. And so so it really is both. Is Pima Community College the only one doing this? I mean, this is all we hear about, but we're here. Do you all have any competition? Yes, we absolutely have competition. And, and I think that what we're trying to do at Pima is we're really trying to get ahead of the competition, right? So much of our competition are organizations that that we don't even think about, not necessarily other educational institutions, but um, you know, if we don't uh, adapt, I, I think educational institutions as we know them could very much go out of existence, right? So we have a lot of competition globally now in terms of, of learning. And so we've really tried to adapt so that we can actually market some of our programs, not just in, in Pima County, but market them nationally as well. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thank you so much for having me. That was David Doré, Vice Chancellor for Workforce and Economic Development at Pima Community College. With the coming shift in the workforce caused by automation and artificial intelligence, it's important to note that women remain underrepresented in the tech industry and STEM fields. Startup Tucson recently won a Small Business Administration Award to launch a program to help change that on a local level. Director of Programs Dre Thompson says to build the program, her group talked to numerous women tech founders and mentors about what would help them. And really what we heard was interesting. It was about a lot of the places where people go and um, our hubs of entrepreneurship, um, networking events. There was a lot of reasons why women were less comfortable in coming to those. And so there was a need for unique places where women could come together and talk about the unique issues that they were facing as women in technology. Um, there was a lack of narrative. I think a lot of the women that we spoke to didn't 
see it as a viable option or that there were women who are doing amazing things in Arizona already. So really getting the narrative out that there are really phenomenal entrepreneurs um, in science and technology in Tucson so and in Arizona more broadly. So that was one aspect that we that we found from our research. And then there was an area where there was a skills gap. So we knew there was going to be a part that was about networking and mentorship and really building a community. We knew that there was going to be a part that was about storytelling. And we knew that the solution also had to, to include some tactical skills and making women feel more comfortable with coding and robotics and even the logistics of building a company. What does it mean? Because it can be kind of frightening um, if you're not, if you don't see a path forward in that way. What are the skills that are missing? So what we kind of know from the literature is that only 20% of tech companies are um, owned by women. So that's really a small percentage. Um, and then kind of conversely, on the other side, we have this fact that women-founded companies in general are growing by uh, 288% more than male counterparts. So there's definitely a desire for women to start companies. But then you see that's not necessarily translating into tech companies specifically. Women are underrepresented in computer sciences, engineering, um, and all of the STEM fields. So there are some STEM skills that um, we would love to support. We're actually working on a coding school that Startup Tucson is partnering with, um, and so building some coding knowledge. And the goal of the course is actually designed in a totally different way than other coding schools. It's designed to teach you how to think about coding as opposed to just the language of learning it. So um, we feel this is going to be a really strong adaptation for female founders because Often women learners tend to be conceptual in this way and they like to think about it broader and then narrow into these specific learning skills. So we feel like that'll be a good adaptation. Startup Tucson received the Small Business Administration grant to create the Fast Track Founder program for women. What does that program bring to a woman who wants to start a tech company? We had a variety of things and activities planned. So we're going to have a startup weekend. We're going to have a storytelling narrative. We're going to have mentorship. We're going to have networking events and education courses that are all part of this. As we were laying out the schedule, we realized one thing was missing. Um, and we, we really thought about, OK, we have a lot of these broad spectrum opportunities for a lot more women to come in and learn about it. We're going to do a ton of marketing and outreach. And one thing we were like, wondering is if there was actually a way to go deeper and then at the same time for long-term growth of this you know solution to this problem we realized that we needed to raise up leaders so we thought about launching a women in tech fellowship that kind of parallels this fast track to founder so we actually have an application open now um, for a cohort of women who are interested in getting into technology, maybe they've taken a boot camp, maybe they're actually in computer science, but are maybe, you know, maybe younger, thinking about their careers. And so we're actually going to have a cohort of women who are in this. And not only are we going to be doing specific professional development with, with them um, as entrepreneurs, as technologists, but also community leaders. And so really um, our goal for the fellowship is that the women in this cohort have specific mentoring about how to create communities that are inclusive for women technologists. And so that when the program ends and the next cohort comes, they'll have a huge alumni network of women who are accessible, who have been through this program, and we're really walking alongside them and empowering them to execute some of these events. Our goal that we set for ourselves is um, expanding or launching 30 new female tech-founded companies in 2020. 30 sounds like a big number of tech companies in general, let alone women-owned tech companies. 
How many tech companies are in Tucson and what's the percentage that are owned by women now? We see about a launch of about 167 growth or launch companies that we work with in any given year. Um, so we felt like that goal was reasonable. Um, and the the thing is about early stage companies is that the first idea might not be the one that makes it. Um, the idea is kind of getting it up and off the ground and playing with it, pivoting if you need to. Um, and so we're not saying that each one of these 30 ones is gonna be the newest unicorn from our area, but that um, it is possible. We hear a lot about getting girls into STEM at a young age, elementary school, maybe even younger. Is this going to be a generational problem that is the generation that is running around in elementary school now is getting that training by the time they're ready to found businesses in their 30s that it's no longer a problem, uh, that women will have the training? For a while now, they've been noting that young women, um, grade school women, are interested, about 78% are interested in STEM fields. Um, and then that sort of starts to sort of fade away. Um, so there is there is possibility that the next generation, that won't fade away as much. Another fact that I think is very interesting to keep in mind, so 56% of, of women in tech actually do leave their field in a mid-level position. So that kind of talks a little bit about the workforce and questions about is it really a fit for them. Of those 56, 22% go on to found their own companies. Um, and so I think that that's an interesting idea that women who have been on a traditional track in tech are maybe disrupting and sort of like, I'm going to start my own type of culture, my own type of tech company. There's actually new investment firms that fund specifically women tech companies because funding is a huge issue um, across the board for women and minority startups. It seems like women are poised to become part of this new high-tech economy, and this is just the launch of that. That's our hope. Our, our hope is um, that we're able to, to really push that along in Southern Arizona. We have an incredibly high rate of female entrepreneurs in Tucson. 68% um, of our entrepreneurs are women, which is almost flabbergasting when I tell people in Phoenix that or other states that, that we have a huge, huge percentage of women entrepreneurs. Um, but we did notice this gap that our tech founders do tend to still be male. So that's what we really wanted to apply um, to the SBA, just kind of think about this idea and see if we can um, start to understand it first and then start to design some programs that are addressing that gap. Thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. That was Dre Thompson with Startup Tucson. Applications for the Women in Technology Fellowship are open until January 15th. The Southern Arizona Leadership Council is sponsoring an event on January 10th called The Future of Work. Arizona Public Media is a partner for the event. You can find more information on our website. And that's the buzz this week. We're taking a break next week for the holidays. We wish you and yours all the best. We'll be back with a new show January 3rd. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.